話を聞こうどんな事件だもちろんロードエルメロイ2世にふさわしい何事件だと思う Welcome back to another episode of the Magic Circuit. This is a bi weekly podcast where we talk about Kanoko Nasu's Type Moon universe, which means mostly talking about Fate Grand Order and all things Fate. I'm Mia. And I'm Ben. Nice. <laughs> we did it. We did it. There's a.、Um, Podcasting. <laughs> they've got one of these little intro spiels on The Dollop, which for people who aren't Mia is an American history podcast I listen to.、Um, But it's,、uh, it's also bi weekly, and in the, the intro, they do a thing where they say this is a bi weekly American history podcast, except、uh, eventually, after like enough months of doing the same intro over and over again, the guy who does it started mixing it up and replacing the suffix to bi with just all sorts of different things. <laughs> so you get like, this is a bi sexual American history podcast. <laughs> And whenever,、nice. whenever I do the second half of the intro, I'm always tempted to, to rip off one of those. I think that would be good once in a while. <laughs> this, is def- this is a pretty, I, you know, this is, this is a bisexual type moon podcast. There are two sexualities happening here. That's true. This is, there are two sexualities. We got there. That's certainly a way of looking at it. Anyway, what are we talking about today, Ben?、Uh, today we are talking about an interview that Kanoko Nasu did. Uh, seven or eight months ago now.、Um, I, think it was, I think it was in January of、yes. this year, 2019,、um, wherein he said a lot of things about the,、uh, the state of FGO, the history of its development, and also what got the most traction out of it the fact that he is planning on ending FGO after Arc 2, which is Cosmos dun, dun, and the Lost Fun. It's、Say、not entirely clear. Precious what... anime girl JPEGs. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> GIF of Weevil Underwood ripping up Exodia <laughs> and throwing it in the water. <laughs> It's not entirely clear what he meant by that, but there was a lot of discourse in the time immediately surrounding it as to whether or not that was actually realistic. But I don't think I've seen a lot of discourse about what that would actually mean for. Titan Moon going forwards. So that's the kind of thing that I want to try to address today. Yeah. And I think I first started thinking about this when we were talking recently. in the, We might have even mentioned this on the podcast with、um, the changes in Lost Belt 5 that we've seen so far, like changing the title and kind of the, now that we know that Charlotte Corday is somehow involved with Odysseus, who is very likely going to appear in Lost Belt 5.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't remember the context, but we definitely brought it up recently on the podcast and said we should do this as a f- future episode. So now we're doing that. Yes. Right, right. But I, I definitely have been thinking about, like, okay, so they, they clearly have like, changed the trajectory of some things. 
And, you know, maybe Charlotte Corday was going to come out earlier and maybe she was going to have a bigger role. But now she's a one star assassin. Right. Maybe she, she was she always going to be a one star assassin. As the shitty one star assassin who is front and center on the friend point. Gotcha. Yes. I mean, at least she actually, like, kind of does something. She has instant kill, which is not. Yeah, she's it's not much, but it's not. She's it's not just shiki. charm. Right. But, I would say, like, really bad Shiki is better than Matahari. <laughs> well, that's fair. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we've, we, um, so we went through the whole interview, and I don't know. I feel like something that I was not expecting, because I had heard about this article when the initial buzz came out. But I had not actually read the whole thing at length myself. I think it's actually bookmarked somewhere in my my Chrome bookmarks, and I was like, I'll totally read uh, this. What are, what are the millions of bookmarks that we all have and never went back to? Yes, yeah, I have a I have a bookmark folder specifically titled "Fate Stuff," like Fate slash stuff, <laughs> um, and that is it's somewhere in the in the depths of that. I should probably compile but, all of my Fate bookmarks into a single folder. Right, that was just what happened to me. I was like, I've got so many. I should really just keep these in a folder. I have, uh, for the longest time, had two wiki pages bookmarked that are completely <laughs> irrelevant to each other, but both incredible in very different ways. Okay, uh, and they are. One of them is Force of Providence. Oh, God. Also translated oh, as Existential oh, Inertia. Force of Providence. Uh, and the other one is the best noble phantasm in the whole series, Unlimited Blagabolgrick. Uh, excuse me unlimited legable gander works excalibur oh yeah <laughs> i forgot about that what is that where did that happen um it's just a, in a parody omake of the fates day night manga okay yeah beautiful anyway anyway what i was what i was thinking about was that nasu seems like he wants a lot more out of fgo <laughs> Like, as a system. Not necessarily as a piece of media. It seems like he is realizing slash has realized what he wants from it. Mm -hmm. But that, gameplay-wise, he wants more for the players. Yeah, I think it's just the natural limitations of what you can do in a mobile game are something that Natsu is ranking against because, quite frankly, they suck. Right. It's pretty true. But I also think that they one thing they discussed a lot in the article is talking about how FGO feels like even among mobile games feels like something that is already outdated. And we do live in a game where you can put like Fortnite and PUBG on phones. Uh I guess albeit, that's true. it's probably not as good as the desktop version. Yeah. But you can have a fully functioning first person shooter that is on a scale of something like a like a Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that has amassed that much attention on a mobile phone. So I think it's pretty safe to say. I mean, you know, again, this is like the most successful video game in the world versus <laughs> yes. a Japanese company. But I mean, well, also said Japanese company has also been printing money, topping the, you know, highest grossing app charts for the past like year. Grand Order arguably rivals Fortnite as the most successful video game in the world, which is something we will be getting more into as this episode progresses. I forgot that that was a thing because they do. Wasn't that? Well, what was that thing that came up a while ago? Was okay, it that? So should I just um, highest grossing game? Should I just read off some statistics now? 
as sure hit me with the stats the stats are the stats are very crucial to this discourse uh so first off fake grand order beat out Fortnite as the single most tweeted about video game of 2018 that's right it was most tweeted i remember when people were talking about that because they were like the most tweeted game isn't Fortnite. it's this japanese mobile game that you might not have heard of because you know the article was written for people who who aren't like us yeah who aren't us um now additionally to that uh so these statistics i'm going to read are all from that january that people compiled in response to this article um okay cool so in 2018 fgo made 1.8 billion dollars in revenue uh to put that into perspective also um to give credit where it's due. I'm getting these statistics from a Reddit post by user World in Shambles, which we will link in the episode description. Um, Thank you. The To put that into... I don't know where those came from to begin with, but I know they're out there on the internet. But thank right. you for compiling the World in Shambles. Uh, FGO made $1.8 billion in 2018. Uh, to put that into perspective, the IP is managed by so- Sony Music, also known as Aniplex, um, Sony Music in its entirety made $1.81 billion in 2017. FGO in 2018 made as much money as the entirety of Sony Music made the year before that. Estimates put FGO's daily revenue at $2.2 million per day. FGO that year alone (sighs) made more money than the following things during their lifetime. Jurassic World, The Avengers Movie, The Last Jedi, Every Mortal Kombat game combined... Aladdin, Overwatch, Destiny, Diablo, and the entire Elder Scrolls franchise. Wait, made in made in what time frame? It made more than those things. In one year, FGO made more money than any of those things have ever made. That is, that is bonkers. Mm-hmm. That is really bonkers. Uh, fuck. The game's revenue doubled from 2017 to 2018 also fucked also fucked and perhaps most significantly um even if you look at it from a creative freedom perspective for nasu uh fate grand order is 80 percent of the value of fate as a whole wow so tight moon you mean as in like money yes. or oh as in like size in, in terms of money um oh, tight okay, moon okay. is estimated at 2.568 billion dollars in worth again this is as of january 2019 uh, okay, so it's probably changed a lot yeah, since then. That's games, anime, and everything else ever released, ever combined. And two billion Whew. of that is Fate Grand Order. Whew. Oh, man. Oh, God. So this game is really big. This game is this a is... big fucking deal. Yeah. And it's weird to me that it's not better now. But I think it's like Nasu said that it would be too big of an undertaking to move it while the story is still happening. Mm-hmm. I guess. So it's like, you know, after people, people know this, that after part two, Nasu wants to end FGO in some way, as you said, I think while Kajita talks in the article, mafia Kajita, that horrible, horrible gremlin of a man <laughs> um, talks about like people being disappointed and, you know, if if FGO ends and that Nasu kind of wants that, which is so Nasu. I'm wondering how you can justify just letting all of this money evaporate into the ether 
Um, and I don't just mean the money that Sony Music is getting. I also mean the money that all of the like super mega whales have like dumped into the game. Yeah, so that's something that I feel there's like a lot it, of money involved from a lot of different perspectives, and that makes things complicated. Right, and it's like you know, while I feel, I don't want to say it's easy for Nasu to say, but it's like Nasu seems to have a very strong ideological system <laughs> in his brain of how things. Uh, how he wants things to work and how he's willing to compromise to make things work. Mm-hmm. And it it seems as though he's more about creating, at least the way that he's presented in this article and the way that I feel like he, he presents himself and lets himself be presented is that he's very much about like creating media as like a, like a sort of his like holy ideal. Like he wants the media to be the chief thing. Yeah. Like he wants it to be fun for people. He wants people to feel emotions. Like he's very invested in the user experience. I think it's safe to say that. I think I think it's safe to say that Nasu is not the most visionary creator in the world, but is definitely someone who likes to experiment. Decidedly, uh, yeah. You know, he he's no like Ikuhara. He's not blowing people's minds with things nobody has ever seen before. But right, right. He does like approaching things from weird angles. Yeah, and that's part of what has gotten Fate so successful. Right. Um, or that's really, like, why Fate is so successful, honestly, I think. Like, yeah. the premise is cool, but it's mostly Nasu's weird approach to things that has made it really cool. I mean, like... And I, I think I saw people talking about on Twitter a while ago um, about this, but that part of the reason why Fate Grand Order as a thing is so enchanting, I guess, it's so, like, it has the mysterious aura <laughs> that Kajita refers to, is that... It is something that is primarily designed and overseen by someone who isn't interested in making something that's popular, but it is popular. Uh, yeah, I think, I think there is an element of truth to that. Um, like, I think, I think that obviously Nasu, you know, as any creative does, wants people to read their work and wants people to enjoy it or whatever. Right. But you know, he could easily make a much more bland mainstream story and, and pander more to what, you know, he knows audiences like. Nasu is living you, you in... get something new that, that spikes for a period of time and then, you know, plateaus and then falls off after, you know, a year or two. Right. But is a huge cash cow for the short time that it's, that it's big. Yeah, there are a lot of different phases that creators of franchises or personal brands go through with their creative projects. Um, right. You see a lot of people who hit the point in their creative career where they have so much notoriety and such a devoted fan base that they know they can, like, shit out literally anything and it will make them money. Um, right, exactly. Like, I think the most famous example is, like, Stephen King has literally said that at the height of his popularity, he could take a dump on a fax machine and his publishers would print it. That's very funny, but probably uh, and And his work suffered a lot in that time like that's when the stephen king stuff about like the sentient wheel that kills people came out (laughs) nice uh (laughs) um, (laughs) cool but nasu seems to not be letting the temptation to slack because it's easy to get exposure now right i feel like nasu is very like ideological purist at least in the way that that at least i feel like that shows in his work and in how he like I was saying, how he lets himself be portrayed in media. Um, just as being someone who really is still intent on being weird and not letting the fact that he is sort of the head of the most 
successful franchise in mobile game history uh and like most of gaming history question mark um get to him and also the fact that i don't think we even know what nasu looks like no we don't that's just something that boggles my mind that like you know this game is printing two million dollars a year and we don't even know the dude who writes it we don't even know what he looks like yeah it's it's pretty wild that nasu has never made a public appearance despite the fact that there are like fate conventions multiple times a year right like, we have course, these big, huge gatherings. Like, he doesn't even pull a Yoko Taro, where, you know, he comes out in, like, a like a, like a a mask head thing, you know? Just comes like, out with with the, the mushroom over the his mushroom. head. The mushroom? Right, it's like, you know... Really like would be funny. I, it would be super funny. Uh, now I want to see him come out and, you know, like, those super goofy costumes they have, like the Gudako cosplayers in and stuff? Oh, my God. I want Nasu <laughs> to come out in one of those of the mushroom like a huge mushroom mascot costume <laughs> yeah. and they just like they put him down at like the panel table <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and he just sits there and doesn't say anything yeah they're just like is that right now and he like nods the mushroom head <laughs> yeah like the, they're the like and there you have the franchise it. at least recently has been if anything the voice actors who work on the game who are always the guests on the the panels whenever they reveal new content yeah, that's pretty true, actually, because he's always um, God, I don't know all of their names. I feel like I really should by now, but it's, uh, it's the guy Yuki who does Arjuna and Dante's on it too. Yeah, um, is that Shimazaki? I don't know. I'm terrible oh, at voice actors. Oh my god, ideas. I I literally I knew it right before we started recording, and I've forgotten it. <laughs> god damn it! Whatever, it's fine. Okay, you sure. you guys know who we're talking about. It's that yeah. guy. Yeah, I was right. Nobunaga Shimazaki. Nobunaga. People always call him that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what I'm used to. Chimizaki. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yes, him. Uh, Aoi Yuki is on it a lot. I was gonna say Aoi Yuki. Uh, Okita's voice actors. Uh, she person who's on it. Isn't that Aoi Yuki? Wait, isn't isn't Yuki Aoi? Is Yuki Aoi Shuten and Okita? I could be completely wrong. Hold, hold the phone. Uh, okay. That's true. That's fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yuki's a really good voice actress. That's fucked. <laughs> wow. I had me fooled. Holy shit. Imagine being like the horniest character in Grand Order and also like the dumbest character in Grand Order. <laughs> um, is definitely not the dumbest character in Grand Order, but she, she has potential for like very high dumb levels. Right. But I, yeah, that is a, a very strange outsourcing of publicity that they do. Right. Uh, and they're also like, it's not even like, because um, even like Saber's voice actress, you know, you would think like, like you know, the, the OG Arturia, maybe mm-hmm. she would step in as sort of a, a face of the franchise, given that, you know, Saber facing and all that, whatever. But it's not even really, it's, it's like, it's those, it's, it's so strange. And yeah. then there's, like, Mafia Kajita, I guess, who's kind of stepped up as this weird, like, TV MC personality kind of guy. But right. I don't really totally get what his deal is. I don't really get where he came from. I know that he produces memes. <laughs> I can never get over when we were watching the reveal for... I don't even remember what it was the reveal of, but it was on... Was this the stream we watched at, like, 5 in the morning? Yeah, it was on the Japanese stream, and someone in the Japanese chat referred to him as Munier Alter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh... 
that was that was really great that was uh i'm i'm glad that we haven't done that since then but i also sort of want to at one point again just yeah. because i feel like i have a lot of fond memories of like i think that was when i was in syracuse right oh i think so that's i think it was right. like if i remember right that was the night where it like there was this huge thunderstorm and i was like out on the porch and i was like crying and then it was like it was just pouring rain and then later in the evening i was still out on the porch and then like we were watching the stream and then it was like this is nice but also wow it's five in the morning <laughs> <laughs> um sorry i just had to take a drink of water the i guess i don't know the one thing that i really can't get over about grand order is what happens to like how do people respond if it ends and they've sunk tons of money into it because as someone who doesn't sink tons of money into it i would be bummed if it ended because i like it but okay well like i could move on let's let's approach this um systematically sure so first let's take out any sort of outside influence and just think if it was entirely up to nasu what would he do with grand order and then we can add like more layers of complexity to try to figure out what's actually realistic. Does that sound good? Like what what the Nasu version of the future Grand Order looks like? Yeah, if Nasu could just unilaterally decide the future of Grand Order, what would it look like? Okay. Like part two ends, and then part two ends. Does the app shut off? It seems like. Okay, I feel like this is just something I, I literally just came up with this right now. If from what Nasu said in that interview, which we will also link, what if, just spitballing, FGO ends, and then, like, do you, because, okay, if FGO ends and the app, the app turns off, FGO then becomes an experience that only a finite amount of people could have participated in. Mm-hmm. That doesn't super seem very Nasu to me. I agree. So what if after FGO is done, it's then released as like a physical game? That would make sense. I could see that happening. Like it, I don't, I don't, the thing is like, I don't know. I imagine that the, the Nasu sanctioned version of the game would probably be a lot less microtransaction-y. Right. Um, because I mean, it we, seems we like. We know from the interview, Nasu wishes grand order could have been like an action game where you actually control the characters but right right like like he said something i don't remember what the specific line was but it was something about how like he just wants people to be able to have fun with the characters right so i feel like it would make sense it seems like fgo arcade is maybe closer to nasu's actual vision i was kind of thinking about that actually like an fgo arcade does seem like a reasonably cool game um yeah, I don't Everyone know anything know about, about it. it except for the little bits of YouTube gameplay footage I've seen. Yeah, I've been struggling to... I know there are videos of, like, how to play FGO Arcade, but I feel like I just... I look at the thing, and I see the command cards come up, and I see the three-team whatever, and it's... All the aiming is really weird, and yeah, I don't really I'm... know how you, like, hit people. It seems like when you just, like, pop a Noble Phantasm, you just hit people if they're anywhere in the radius of it, which right. seems like that's how it would make sense but also feels kind of lame from a gameplay perspective for my part it's an arcade game in japan i'll never get the chance to play i haven't put any effort into trying to figure out how it works okay 
I, I have like sort of a thought, but I'm not really sure. Point being, maybe FGO becomes a tangible game that can be bought and then played and replayed. Which would also kind of give some credence to this like chrono trigger obsession and the idea that Nasu originally wanted you to be able to play all of the seven singularities, all of the seven singularities in any order you wanted to. So it just becomes this thing that has, you know, infinite replay value, which kind of plays into this whole like time period jumping thing. Right. And maybe as you progress, you unlock different servants. Um, it's probably a lot less grinding heavy. Yeah. But there's probably I like... still some, I imagine that just because of how video games work, there would have to be some kind of, you know, maybe skills wouldn't have, maybe you wouldn't have to level skills anymore, but you would have to do something to level up all of the characters when you get them. I feel like in, in the short term, at least, maybe somewhere like many years down the line, there's uh-huh. a Grand Order re-release that actually turns it into uh, an action game where you can pick the singularities in any, any order and whatever else Nasu dreams up. But I think mm-hmm. in, in the short term, I could see what you're describing being a thing, but like they just turn it into a visual novel. It's just the singularities in order, and you read through them. And maybe they like they add in text descriptions of the fight scenes because you're not doing those anymore. That would make sense. Like it would end up being more like the the many fate Grand Order manga that have come out, right? Like the Shimosa manga, which fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I, I think, guess that would also make sense because Nasu seems like while he wanted to make an action game with FGO that it seems like he feels consistently most comfortable in a visual novel form. Right. So it's like if FGO ends, then you can at least reread the story and consume it if you weren't there to experience it alongside the millions of people who who participated in it when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like a good short-term guess, I would say. So I think that that makes sense as a future for FGO if Nasu could do whatever he wanted with no repercussions. Right. The first layer of reality I'm going to ruin that with is just the future of Type Moon without fake Grand Order. Um, you know, like right. I said before, Grand Order's revenue from exploiting gambling addicts is 80% of the company's uh, like entire net worth. Um, right. And the fact that it makes so much money is what lets the other Type Moon projects that have been happening come out. Like, the yeah. fact that there is a Case Files anime airing right now is attributable to the fact that Type Moon is swimming in money. And because of that, people are willing to let Nasu take off whatever projects he wants to do. Yeah, honestly, the fact that there is, like, a Case Files anime before there is, like, a Hollow Ataraxia OVA <laughs> is kind of wild to me. Yeah. Just because that thing's been out for, like, decades. And I know it's not super essential to consuming Fate's Day Night, but I honestly felt like after reading it that it did cap off my experience of reading it really nicely. Right. It and felt I- like a good attempt at concluding the Stay Night timeline. I think the reasoning for that is, just goes back to the fact that, generally speaking, anime are advertisements for ongoing series and other mediums. That makes and sense. And if you, if you put out a Case Files anime and people like it, they'll buy the Case Files light novels as they come out in the future. That 
that makes sense right some percentage of viewers will buy the light novels right um so there's the element of having fake grand order alive and raking in cash gives nasu the freedom to make whatever else he wants uh at least in terms of financial backing if not time to do that uh additionally like there are a lot of employees who work on this game right there and not even getting into the the like technical aspects like the coders and everyone uh who delightworks employs uh not counting nasu fgo has five full-time writers that's kind of that's kind of wild yeah right (laughs) that it's like six people running this ginormous boat (laughs) well they're five full-time writers and then all of the guest ones like lost belt 3 was entirely written or probably not entirely but mainly written by urobushi who is not one of the five he's just a guest oh that's true that's true i forgot about guest writers yeah like and they had that one like detective novel guy right and then you have all of the artists all of the voice actors all of the coders all of the game designers the one intern who does the sprites (laughs) (laughs) yeah right uh that's one of my favorite fgo memes honestly (laughs) where they're like man intern's getting good probably all things told i'd estimate they're probably like somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 people who work on fgo as a full-time job and i i don't know nasu's mind well enough to say for sure but i doubt that he would have no problem just telling all of those people, okay, your job is over. I don't think he would. I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, it seems like he cares about, like, he's... I mean, he's got this, like, small company that's been running for so long. It's not just him and Takeuchi anymore. I think there are other people in it. Right. But It would feel really weird to me if, if he did just do that. I guess maybe this is just me wanting to believe that Nasu isn't just a, just a shit. <laughs> right. Um, but I think what, what those two elements come down to is that there is likely to be, even just for internal type moon reasons, some sort of continuation to the model, if not the story of Grand right, Order. Right. That I would agree with that. continues making them some amount of money. Uh, right. So that they can fun to everything they've grown to do in the past few years yeah that makes sense and the the thing that i have thought about also is that whatever comes after grand order because at least what i what i had thought about and what this article sort of confirmed is like nasu says that he talked to like higashide and sakurai about saying like okay now that grand order is a thing we all know that we're gonna have to we're all we're all gonna have less time to work on all of the other stuff that we want to do right because this is an ongoing project that has an indefinite end, mm-hmm. and it it is also part of our livelihoods. So, it, Grand Order in this form ending means that those writers would all have time to finish their other projects, but just because they have time doesn't necessarily mean they would have the funding, I guess. Right. Um. So it is one thing that I've been thinking about is is would a would an FGO two would it be a continuation with the same characters? Like, like one one possible outcome that I have just seen that's more of like the dark capitalist timeline 
is just that like Nasu says, I'm done with FGO. Delightwork says, we want to keep it going. And then somehow because of some dumb thing, like FGO keeps happening, but there's no like Nasu or any of the other writers like at the helm. It's just like new people. Um, and it just becomes Grand Order, but worse. Right. I don't think that would happen. I think that another thought that I've had is like, what if instead of, you know, just being like, oh, there's more singularities, blah, it's like, or, or you know, some attempt at escalating after the Lost Belt part, mm-hmm. that it's just some kind of event stream that you just have kind of a, it's just like never an incarnable phantasm. Yeah, I think that could also be good. Um, I think my... That seems more likely to me in the a, long run. A sizable fear, because I think it's the most likely outcome, is that Grand Order continues on in some form, whether it's Grand Order 2 or not. Um, right. But without any of the creative vision behind it until it slowly loses quality and peters out and just kind of becomes an embarrassment to the franchise. Yeah, that's that's definitely a fear that I have too. Or even just, like, I don't even know if it would become, like... I think I would more just worry that it, it would just kind of die. <laughs> I guess I don't even think of it as like an embarrassment to the franchise, just that it would peter out and that like everyone would stop caring about it. Yeah, that too. Like not even like like by the time that it peters out, there would be so little interest that it wouldn't be embarrassing. <laughs> I, I just can imagine it returning to the same quality that it was in the first few months after release. Yeah. In terms yeah. of like the amount of effort that went into the new servants and the story. Right, right. One thing that I have wondered is that th- this goes partly back to the the money thing and kind of wondering about how that that resolves with the player base. If there's a new app, you know, someone like me who's been playing since near start and has like you know forty plus five stars, if I had to like jump on FGO two or whatever form it would be, I want my gang coming with me. <laughs> Yeah, that's also a complicating issue. You know, like how... So something that I've thought about is like at the end of FGO, is it like you make a bind code and then you go into FGO 2, you put in the bind code, then you have all your characters? Do you just get your save file back? Like, you know, what what happens there? Is this just become like New Game Plus for us and then New Game for people who join in FGO 2 if FGO is gone? Like what? What happens in this weird like power balance discrepancy? If if that's the case, if people can do that, right? Well, I I think that because of the nature of the game, at least in its current incarnation, um, aside from supports existing, there's no way to interact with other players. True, so power true. balance of how many SSRs you have versus the average player doesn't really matter at all. That's true. It's just, I guess, then it becomes more development side of, like, how do we balance raid missions when we know that there are this, like, X many number of people who have stuck around since FGO1 who have a bajillion five stars. Yeah. Because they've been playing for, like, eight years or whatever. Right. Um, Which is something you you still see sometimes. Like, whenever there is an event that comes out that doesn't require you to be caught up with the story in order to play it. Like, the summer event we're on now, it's just, like, astoundingly easy for anyone who has leveled servants. Exactly, right. Yo, that King Protea that you fight, <laughs> that has like 3 million health. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in this yeah. event, I got to there and I was like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean level 35? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this ends in like three turns, doesn't it? Yeah. I, 
I like I brought in like Summer Musashi to Mama Waver. I was like, all right, I got to do this. <laughs> Flashbacks to the last time we fought King Protea. As up at four a.m. doing that boss fight for three oh hours. Oh my god! And you, oh, didn't you? I think it took me like sixty-four turns or something, forty-six or something like that, and it took you like over a hundred. I think so. That was uh, that was a dark morning. That was a dark morning. I remember that. Uh, um. Yeah, it's like I just I gotta wonder like. Clearly, there are a lot of improvements that a lot of people want to make on FGO. If FGO 2 is that, and if it becomes substantially different, then what does it even mean to have all of those like leveled characters? Even if you right. were to ab- able to keep them. You know, like, if the frame of how the game worked had changed so much. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it, if it kind of gets closer to the platonic ideal of of what nasu wants as he described in this interview Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's a great question um and if there are engine changes like major engine changes to like how the game is played so it's not just like the turn-based card selection anymore right or even if there are just balance changes then you know there will be people annoyed that like i spent five hundred dollars getting merlin and jelter because they were the best thing in right the game i bought them for and now that game is shut down and then the new one they're just average right right <laughs> to be fair both of those characters have gotten a lot worse just because of power creep but yeah. i know you <laughs> you know but it, it is that kind of idea that like what i don't know the only way it just seems like trying to balance a future thing that also allows you to incorporate your previous characters would be really difficult. I, and it feels like something that they would have some amount of obligation to do, but I don't know how successful that would be. Right. I, I don't think it's possible for them to end Grand Order without providing some sort of compensation, even if it's just in the form of you get to keep your stuff in a, in a another game Right. to the people who have spent obscene amounts of money on it. Right, right. <laughs> or if they just give you a Google Play gift card, that's just the sum of all the money you've ever spent. <laughs> yeah. Or if they're like, hey, here's a check for 200,000 yen. Have fun. I don't know. It. It's like, I wonder then if you like beat FGO, do you get a code? And then maybe that code lets you download a different version of the game on like a different platform. Like, would it become like a PC game? Would it just stay a phone game? I don't know. It feels like the future of this game is so up in the air, which is really weird to me because it's something that just given all of the logistical things that we've talked about, it feels like it should really have a more concrete future. Right. It's something... you know, it feels like we should have a Marvel phase. What, what what the fuck do they call it? Like phase is it phase two, phase four? I don't remember what it's called. Uh, like the whole the, the dumb thing the MCU now. put out where they're like, here are the next twenty one movies we have planned. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So it's, here's a question then: Would we be okay with a timeline in which we sacrifice a good fate grand order and it becomes shitty? release grand order again in exchange for nasu having time to work on other things and putting out the tsukihime remake i don't honestly 
I like Grand Order. <laughs> I like I I like its existence a lot, even if I don't necessarily like what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it sucks to feel the like, oh, I, you know, it's like, oh, I have like 90 quarts left, but I don't want to roll anymore for this character because like I need to I need to do math and save for the next you know, six potential characters I want or whatever. And then they always throw in like one weird character who you're like, I didn't know that I wanted this character, but now I'm really horny. (laughs) And and there we go. (laughs) It's like, I, I, while I don't love that constant, like weird battle of, of the, the gamble versus the, the game. I think that being in a community where people are really invested in grand order and the story and the possibility of where it's going and, the gameplay and like the team building i don't know i feel like it feels really cool to be a part of something that has a lot of active momentum and i feel like trading that for a series of works that don't really have like forward motion just that allow you to read it enjoy it and then reconsume it i feel like that would be kind of sad weirdly like while i wouldn't be opposed to natsu having more time to work on other projects and put out new IPs and finish the Tsukihime remake, all of those things. I feel like there is something special about being a part of a thing as it is happening. And I feel like that's usually only something you get with like an animated thing. At least like, I feel like that's the only time I've experienced it. Um, like what I'm, what I'm thinking of particularly is like circa 2012 when Guilty Crown was airing. <laughs> Um, and I was on 4chan every day after school because that's what I used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Guilty Crown, an absolute shit show, mediocre pile of nonsense. Um, it was so fun to be there for that that it, it weirdly makes me look back on Guilty Crown like fondly. Yeah. I <laughs> Even think... though it was such a disaster of a thing. Like I, I remember all of the stupid memes and I was like, wow, this is like incredibly funny and everyone is just like roasting this, but they're all having a great time whenever something stupid and unexpected happens. Right. It's like, I don't know, like, like the joy that I remember in being a part of like a, a movement of something, I feel like that's also something that Grand Order gives to a lot of people. Yeah. And, and that that's the nature of fandom and why there are so many people who get so attached to whatever piece of media they decide they are super fans of. Right, uh, right. And there, there are healthy ways of going about that and unhealthy ones. Um, but it gets weird when the thing that you're in the fandom of is something that's designed to be perpetual which mobile games like this by design are just supposed to go on for as long as they possibly can yeah right and it gets weirder when the creator of that then says well i know that this thing is designed and everyone who's engaged with it has engaged with it on the assumption that it's going to continue to exist forever until nobody cares about it anymore right but i'm over it and i don't want to do it anymore it is a weird phenomenon and that that's going to bring me to uh, a a quote, um, okay. which is maybe getting a little more philosophical than this uh, uh, this subject necessitates. But okay, okay. I, it, but it but you had it in me, mind, so I want to know it, where it's going. Yeah, it occurred to me while I was doing the research for this episode. Um, okay, and it is from a very different game, uh, which is Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy. Oh, uh, and we were just talking about that the other day. <laughs> yes. 
so so getting over it if you guys aren't familiar with it is uh an indie game that came out i think last year now um feels like it's kind of kind of took the internet by storm for a short bit it's a a game in which you play as a man in a bucket using a hammer to scale a mountain. Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. Yeah, time really does fly. Time really does fly. Um, yeah. And it's, You've probably seen the shirtless man in the bucket with the hammer. That's all I <laughs> yeah. knew about this game. Uh, it, it's a game that's designed to be incredibly frustrating and incredibly difficult to talk about the, um, the, the value of putting work into something that you don't know whether it's going to pay off or not. Uh, and throughout the game, the creator of it, Bennett Foddy, narrates to you, he has a lot of quotes that he says from other people about like the nature of failure and the nature of sadness and like picking yourself back up or not, things like that. But when you get to certain <laughs> don't points... Don't hate the player. Hate the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you get to certain points, he also gives you scripted information about the creation of the game and his thought process behind it. Uh, so I'm going to quote one of those now. He's talking about how the game is mostly made from recycled assets. Um, it's what's referred to as a B game. Uh, and he says that... Uh, he's talking about the, the temporary nature of media as a whole. And like guilty crown or like any of the other seasonal anime that i spent most of my day catching up with even though i don't enjoy them because i have to talk about them on my other podcast because yeah that's just how people engage with things right. um so he says things are made to be consumed in a certain context and once the moment is gone they transform into garbage in the context of technology these moments pass by in seconds over time we've poured more and more refuse into this vast digital landfill we call the internet it now vastly outnumbers and outweighs the things that are fresh and untainted and unused. When everything around us is cultural trash, trash becomes the new medium, the lingua franca of the digital age. You can build culture out of trash, but only trash culture. Be games, be movies, be music, be philosophy. Huh. That's like a bold claim, but one that definitely has some element of truth in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's a subject that I've been thinking of a lot. Um, the nature of how I, and by extension, we as a society engage with content, which has become a buzzword for just anything you spend your time looking at. Yeah, like the rise of content creators who are just people who make things. <laughs> right. Like we used to have, I, I don't want to say like we used to, because I mean, we still do like I don't know. There's this weird kind of like duality where, you know, we still delineate different kinds of things. It's like, oh, like this person is a filmmaker or a director. You know, they make movies. This is a photographer. This is a painter. Right. You know, things like that. We still like delineate, you know, this is a writer, different kinds of artists. But there is also this weird thing of content creators who just do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm uh, like, I am i a I, content creator i made a house in minecraft last night like <laughs> right is that content <laughs> I, I i've long been fascinated with the imbalance between of the imbalance of effort between content creators and content consumers even before even though i was young before i got into and aware of the internet and i'm old enough that mm -hmm. before like the internet culture that we have now really existed mm -hmm. uh 
I would read a book and think about how, you know, it took the author of this book three years to write this, and I read it in three days. Right. And so wild. Now in the the digital age, I feel like that becomes more pronounced, because at least with books, there are any number of books that get published, and then some people read them, but then nobody thinks about them again. But at least there's, like, a a physical mark of them still existing whereas with like youtube channels maybe like someone like video game donkey you can go to his channel and look back and see a video from four years ago that you're like oh i remember this one this was a really good one because he's one of the best youtubers right what like with the most consistent content but then you go to someone else like i know tierzu who's great and i love watching his videos whenever they come up but i'm never going to go back and rewatch a tierzu video yeah, well, he puts God knows how much time into those, and they're great videos. But I watch them once; they're three minutes long, and then I never think about them again. Right. Something that I actually thought about recently. There are a couple examples of this. Um, one was um, I don't remember what got me thinking about it. Maybe it was just like a weird YouTube algorithm thing. But like, or maybe we were talking about it in our in our Discord with with our pals. But um, Freddie Wong was a name that I thought about recently. Oh yeah, I remember um, him. Right, exactly. Like, that's your reaction? Like, I remember yeah. Freddie Wong. And I remember when, like, all of the, like, most viewed YouTube videos that weren't from, like, dumb bloggers or, like, you know, hot people were these wacky, like, sort of CG short films that were sort of video gamey or, or nerdy in some way. And they were just done by this crew of people who, you know, with sort of Freddie Wong at the, the supposed center and... You know, I, it seems like Quarter Digital, which I know split off from Freddie Wong. Like, that's kind of a, its own thing, and they kind of do their own stuff. And I don't really know what they do anymore. But, like, I was just thinking about how, like, I remember as a kid watching those videos and being like, whoa, so cool. <laughs> but now that's just kind of, like, gone. Um, and I remember, I think I was actually watching some interview with him where he was basically saying, like, yeah, it doesn't really matter if you do content on YouTube. Like, and it gets super successful. Like, people look at you and they look at your resume and they're like, oh, you're a YouTuber. <laughs> right. Um, and then you don't go any further than that. And, like, that sucks. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like we did a lot for the platform. We did a lot for, like, the idea of being, like, someone who makes content on YouTube. And, like, I didn't really get anything for it. Um, and that kind of blows. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there are some people who managed to parlay being a content creator into like a job with the thing like the entity that produces the content or the or like the game or whatever that they make content out of you know yeah I mean? right 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 but right. like so and so partners with the game that they stream a lot of or whatever right but yeah that's a, a tiny minority of people and right right the people who to, can sustain their living on twitch streams right and to bring this back around to fate i think part of what is so attractive for uh, so attractive about the tight moon universe for me lately is that while while fate has never been one of my favorite franchises or piece of media mm-hmm. it's just like a consistent one that i like a lot there's always more of it and it's all connected to each other yes you know? it compounds there, on itself right there, there's always more fate content for me to consume and more to look forward to and the fact that grand order is has been such a large part of that for the past few years like i can go and i can consume fate content 
every single day. Like I yeah, can't on the regular. <laughs> like well, one of my actual favorite anime properties was Fully Cooly, and we had six episodes of that for fifteen years, and then they put out twelve more, and they weren't very good. Yeah, but I can always count on there being more good fate stuff. Yes, and, and now Grand Order is coming to an end? Question mark. Question but mark. That puts... I mean, we've still got quite a ways to go because we've at the at the rate that the Lost Belts have been coming out, we've but yeah, got we've a good... probably got until the end of twenty twenty until that happens. Yeah, but yeah. It's it's the first time you have to look at the future of this franchise and say, like, I don't know what's going to happen with it. Like, right. It has so much steam going that there's going to be something, probably, but there has what to is be. it going to be? Right. It's like, just looking at it logistically, and you is can't... it going to still be good? Right. Looking at it logistically, you can't just say that FGO is going to vanish into thin air, because I'm sure Sony Music doesn't want that to happen, Delightworks doesn't want that to happen, Everyone else that maybe isn't Nasu <laughs> wants that to happen. Maybe even Nasu doesn't want that to happen to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, just from like the funding perspective of being able to continue, you know, making other, seeing his vision realized in other ways. But that is something that I actually, I guess I never really thought about, but as part of what I value about Fate too, is that, you know, it's like a lot of the stuff that we got in Fate came from like, Tsukihime and Karno Kyokai, which are like from the late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s. Right. Like, what other big franchises are doing things now that are, that have that much like rooted history? Like, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, things like Lord of the Rings will always be referenced, but it's like, you know, it, I don't know. Like, Shadow of Mordor came out a few years ago, I think, that, that, mm-hmm. um, that, that game. I never played it. Yeah, I um, did that. I but feel it's like, like if you you're know, if you're one of the people who like grew up reading Marvel comics, then you probably feel that way now. Oh, that's true. That's probably true. But I also uh, that that's slightly different. But but similar similar thing. I think yeah. those are kind of just being like pumped to death, in my opinion. Right, but, but I I think there are there are probably people out there who feel the same way about Grand Order. That's probably you know, true. That like, like seeing... they were big fans of Tsukihime and Fate Stay Night, and now the franchise is like this like mass commercial property that everyone is into with a mobile game yeah that's true that's true because it's like i know i mean clearly people are turning out to those movies so there must be like you know middle-aged folks who you know picked up comic books from a nickel every week at their you know newsstand or i don't know wherever the fuck (laughs) comic books were sold (laughs) um read it every week religiously loved it you know kind of went away as they were adults and now they're on the big screen and they've made some changes that are cool and some that are questionable but you know a lot of the essence of what what it was is still there yeah um some fresh and i know even i have aired my own grievances on this podcast about how like a lot of the fate stuff that's coming out now does not resemble fate stay night in any way except for the existence of servants right right and some of that is cool and some of that is a little less cool like right it feels like like stay night was very much a thing well it did create a cool system you know the holy grail war the servants etc it was primarily a like deep character dive into shiro yeah <laughs> like it was something that kind of served as like an allegory for him in his life and it 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 served to highlight the challenges that he faced as an individual and you know his past trauma and and all of that and you know, his kind of twisted 
worldview and how he how he addressed his values and ideals. And that was more what Stay Night was about than, you know, flashy servant battles, even though they were all really cool and, you know, it, we'll all remember Nine Lives Blade Works very, very fondly. <laughs> um, stuff like that, even though that was also just like one moment, not even really like a fight. But, right. you know, it's the kind of idea where that was more of what fate was. Like, much that the Tsukihime system was more about, like, I don't know, Arcoid and Shiki and you know, the whole mystic eye shtick and the root was more about, like, Shiki's whole deal, you know, or Ryogi Shiki. I can't just drop Shiki. You can't just say Shiki. I can't just say Shiki twice and have it make sense. It's like, you know, that was more about Ryogi, the other one was more about Tono. It's like, these systems in these worlds exist for these characters. And with Grand Order, I guess they kind of took the system and just said, okay, now we're stuck in this time in this place where people really care about this system so let's just stretch it as far as we can <laughs> and see where it takes us and then also i guess try and stretch it around a plot that makes some some amount of sense but isn't really about like a i guess that's actually something interesting that i hadn't thought about that grand order i mean it is a character thing you know, it is about characters and individuals and, you know, there there's some strong characters in there and there are some mm-hmm. not so strong characters, but it's got such a huge, like, ensemble cast that it's it's not really like you know, any of the other type moon works, which are, are all pretty small if you think about it, in terms of their scope. Um or I should say the yeah. old type moon works, you know. Right. Yeah. They're all it's about like, like events in a certain in a specific place over a short period of time. Right, following like a cast of characters that's usually not more than like a dozen, mm-hmm. um, and usually there's only like half of those that matter. <laughs> yeah, right. Or you know, m- matter to any serious degree. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's part of what I love so much about Grand Order story is it's so epic in scale. Right. I feel like w- whenever we see a new Lost Belt come out, oh my god. I can't believe that this is happening in the same story that all of the other things have happened. Right. It's like, I can't believe we like killed Tiamat on the like corruption ocean. And now we're like fighting God Arjuna who cuts the planet in half. (laughs) Right. Like what the fuck? This is so wild. I think that, uh, that, that commercial they put out for the anniversary really like drives home how, how we feel about grand order as well as how they want us to feel, which is the sort of like, these lots of like wide shots of beautiful landscapes and huge monsters and crazy servant battles and you know huge beams and lightning everywhere and loud punching all of that cool stuff like grand order is supposed to be something that's really sweeping and epic and it's funny to look at the mobile game which like you know if you look at the gameplay i never really feel that it it's does not communicate that very huge well. Huge and sweeping and epic, no, but that it, it's just supposed to represent something that's really cool. Like, I remember we, when we I... talked about this in the final episodes of Apocrypha when the Karna Siegfried yeah. fight happened. And you're yeah. like, wow. I like I've just been playing Grand Order for so long I forgot like how epic servant battles are supposed to be. Right. Like now I play Grand Order and I, I look I think at that, I think of, you know I think of Sig Karna and I also one thing that I actually have been thinking about lately... <laughs> Every time I, I use Vasavi Shakti to farm doors, yeah, I'm picturing yeah, yeah, yeah. that scene. 
Right, you can see the, like, streaky, like, flame, like, the lava melting the ground below Sig, and Sig being like, oh, fuck, I'm so dead. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I think about that. I think about... Actually, like... So, lately, what I've been thinking about playing Grand Order, just because it's been such a grind. I mean, it always is, but... For some reason, I've just found it really hard to get through this event, mm-hmm. is the... Actually, the first fight scene between Lancer and Archer in Stay Night. So, like, the very first fight scene in the okay. whole visual novel. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually think about that scene a lot when I think about what really gripped me about the franchise, because it was actually that scene that kind of convinced me to keep playing and to, like, get invested, mm-hmm. was this idea that servant battles were these things that were so fast that you couldn't follow them with your naked eye, that it was just, like, these blurs of color and clashes of metal and, you know, some bit of, of earth would go flying out because someone kicked it and you didn't even see it. You know, like this piece of metal goes flying past your head. They would have completely just killed you if you had been standing like a centimeter to your left. Like, it's these things that are so wild and unfathomable and beyond human comprehension. And that's why they're so cool. (laughs) And they've just been distilled down to, like, single hit buster. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Like, I think of, you know, like Summer Raikou's buster? Yes. Where she does that weird, like, like, whoosh. <laughs> yeah. her, her, like, arms kind of wiggle. Yeah. And then she, like, hits you. And because it's Summer Raiko, she deals, like, 150,000 damage. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think of a, I look at that animation and I'm like, man, this is a servant battle. <laughs> uh, we've come a long way from the days when every single servant had the same animations where their buster was they just jump at you and smack you overhead. Oh, for sure. For sure. We've definitely come a long, long way. And I think there are definitely some characters that communicate that speed and that, that wow really well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to There's think. Like, of... I, think, I think the best wow I've seen recently is the new Hokusai's Noble Phantasm. Uh, yeah, that's a where funny one. It, it's just it's such an artistic effect yeah, that yeah. I can imagine any any way that I think about this happening is incredible. Yeah, that's true. I really I remember really being wowed by um, Okita Alter's Noble Phantasm when it came out. Um, Honestly, I don't even remember. Oh, wait, yes, I do, yeah. Yeah, where, it, you know, she does... It's, little... it's a, just a sword beam. It's a sword beam, but she has... I think she was one of the earlier servants to get that, like, cut. The cut to, like, a fuller, oh, like, drawing. Yeah, the cinematic angle. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the cut, like, I remember watching the stream and then seeing that and being like, whoa, yo! Right. <laughs> and, like, goes to her face and then zooms out into the big sword beam. And I was like, fuck, that's rad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't know, like like Mao Nobu, you know that was that was kind of a similar effect. But I was I was like, okay, we've kind of done this before. Like Elementary, my dear, was cooler than the Mao Nobu thing for me. Right. Like in in the in the the cosmic scale of Grand Order things that have come out. Yeah. And they've used that angle a bunch of times now, where the sword beam goes like from the bottom right to the top left across the screen. I think they put it in the right. upgraded animations for Siegfried and Mordred too. Yeah, I think so. Just to make it feel like there's more depth, basically. Right. Which, it, it works. It works. But, you know. I think a future Fate game would have a lot more pizzazz. Yeah, I would hope so. Because I the think... game, like, the franchise is very much rooted in, like, style. 
It's like style, power, and speed. Yes. Um, so I, I know, like, because of the all of the money that's tied up in this game, it makes it hard to imagine that Nasu would be allowed to end it at all. Right. Um, but I have seen from some of the things he says in this interview um, about how he was persuaded to work on this at all, uh, a lot of people it seems, think that um, he, he's very clear about the fact that he and Takeuchi got a lot more creative freedom than is typical for a project like this right. because they were so reluctant to go through with it. Um, and some people think that that might include the ability to end it on his own terms. Oh, interesting. Uh, so there That's is always... Theory that possibility i think for my own answer to the question i posed for you a while back i think i would be ultimately happy with a future where grand order is forced to continue in a shitty form but it means that nasu goes back to working on other things and we get the Tsukihime remake and mohoyo sequel and sequel sequel right because mohoyo supposed to be a trilogy and sequel sequels right it's supposed to be a series yeah, it's supposed to be a trilogy, I think. Yeah. But, uh, Real talk, though. I mean, Mahoyo's cool. My boy... What's his fucking name? Is it Suichiro? Yeah. I don't like that boy. He's not very good. <laughs> I don't need... I honestly, like, I don't... I actively don't want three visual novels of him. He That's is, like, understandable. very bland. Like, the concept of Nasu working on more original ips is cool to me but yeah maybe we finally get a what's girls work is that the one i think it's called girls work girls girls i think it's girls work yeah yeah can we just stop kidding ourselves and stop including male protagonists (laughs) (laughs) yeah right it's like Look, I'm I'm fine with having like well-written boys. Shiro's great. I love Shiro. He is a dumbass, but he's he's a good one. We don't need you don't have to give a self-insert male protagonist anymore. It's fine. We know that Aoko has big titty. We're looking at him. <laughs> we don't need we don't need a boy there to be like that's some titty. <laughs> <laughs> We're already there. We're already with you. <laughs> we are the anime boy. It's fine. <laughs> that that is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like 1230. I'm just riffing. I'm rolling. (laughs) I do. I do genuinely feel this way, though. It's like, while while I that's part of the reason why I'm like, I would be cool with Grand Order continuing in some capacity just because it has let us see so many like just a breadth of characters. Sure. Not all of them have been great. Plenty of them have been forgettable. We get a couple winners every once in a while where we're like, oh, this is actually kind of neat. I like that there's a ton of space to just constantly put new things in and experiment. Um, would Nasu do that in new works? Probably, because that's who Probably. he is, as we've talked yeah. about. But it also feels like when Nasu takes like a, an isolated work, I guess it's also been so long since we've had a, a, a sort of classical, if you will, like Nasu work. You know that it's like right. what would a new version of that look like i mean i guess like, the last thing we got was last encore which was terrible <laughs> <but>. <laughs> right 
other i know there's debate in the in the in the fandom about that i know you really don't like it i haven't seen it yet yeah i i hate everything about that moon <laughs> but it, that's also like that also is a product of like adapting an older thing that had a self-insert character that wasn't a character yeah, like that's true like it feels like nazi works have like the bland boy some cool female characters because that like that one quote that we often bring up about Nasu where he talks about um you know how, how he, he wanted how he to looked like at, reverse at, the, the gender dynamic. Yeah, the gender dynamic yeah. and how he looks at like Arcoid Shikitono and being like Oh yeah, I thought this was feminism, but really it was chauvinism. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, the idea that like strong woman needs male support. Um like male emotional support. Uh, mm-hmm. as like intended as like a, a gender role reversal but kind of came across as like oh no matter how strong she is she still needs to like lean on on man to do anything right um and I, I know that nasu has said a while back now that if there were ever any re-engagement with the, the fate route he would want to rewrite a lot of it because of yes how bad shiro is written in that route yeah so but Saber, yeah, a you're a girl. Girls, girls can't fight. <laughs> right. Saber. <laughs> so yeah, I, I want Nasi to be freed up to write other things again. Uh, I, do I feel think like... he he's got more great new things in him. I would Whether hope. they're connected to the Tight Moon universe, which I would assume they probably would be, or not. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point he's kind of obligated to. I mean, I guess yeah. there's been some stuff that's like tangential to peripheral to that doesn't necessarily link into everything like Nasuverse, right. but you know, just like Sukihime and Karno Kyokai are sort of connected, but also not connected, and Fate is also kind of connected to Sukihime, but also not connected. I think it's about time that we had a different iteration that was like a new a new setting. I think that that would be really cool. And I do really want that. I feel like there is a world where something that is like Grand Order exists and that can happen. But then I worry that, you know, <laughs> it's weird that I bring up this, but I was just thinking about it because you brought up Terzu. Like the idea that you only have so many points to spec into different aspects of like <laughs> reality. <laughs> yeah. Like I worry that in that future where we have some kind of grand order existing and we have Nasu creating new original works that neither is as good as we want them to be because we have both. Yeah, that's possible. I guess like as much as I, I want that, like the, the reason I want it is like I said before, like I, I like the idea of being a part of something that has momentum. Um, I don't want it to go on forever because it'll get stale, but like, I don't think the grand order has gotten stale. (laughs) And I think that this kind of way that they've done it of like, okay, this thing might have an indefinite end, but it's sort of segmented. So like this, you know, like we knew that part one of Grand Order was going to end eventually. You know, we didn't know that Grand Order was ever going to end, but we did know that part one of Grand Order was going to end. So I, I did not start playing the game until like a month after the Time Temple happened. Do you remember around that time if there was discourse happening on the subject of like what's next for grand order i do a bit um it was i had kind of fallen that was around the time i sort of started falling off like 4chan permanently 
Because mm-hmm. um, I, I was at that point, I was really only ever on it to hang out on VG, to hang out in FGOG, um, the figure under general thread. And I do remember people talking about it a little bit. Um, but I don't think, like, I think there there were some jokes tossed around of like, okay, guys, game over. Like, Nazu closes the app and we all, like, lose all of our money and go, go on with our lives. Right. Like, but I, I think at that point, no one, I felt like everyone is still kind of in this weird wow phase of like, okay, we, we were all playing this game for some reason. There was so much garbage and then it got good. <laughs> <laughs> like because pretty much like fgo as a thing like i'm pretty sure that general thread only even existed like properly after camelot happened yeah like i think my earlier memories of of like being involved in any kind of fgo online thing was um talking about people using Eureli to be going um when camelot first came out before that nobody really cared the game wasn't the story wasn't very good and the game played itself exactly right but i remember people being like oh yo guys we can use Yuri and like you know orion who up until this point had been totally useless to like punch gawain's dick right (laughs) you know have him go away and leave us alone oh no guys he's back (laughs) fuck (laughs) like i i remember that as being kind of the earliest inkling that anyone cared about grand order online I, I'm struggling to remember. I feel as though there was some joking about it, but I think what kind of happened is we were all just caught up in the Time Temple hype, and then immediately after Time Temple, we got the Epic of Remnant teaser. So there wasn't really time for people to worry about it. Right, because, you know, there was sort of this idea of, like, okay, well, there's, like, a ring, or what, there were rings left on the throne or something like that, so there was sort of this idea that things were going to continue somehow. Um... I remember when Time Temple came out, you posting in our Discord chat uh, a screenshot of the of Gedea, like the final Gedea boss fight. Yeah, I remember and sending that. Someone to you. else asking, someone who wasn't me asking, "What is that?" And you responded, uh, "The final boss of the Fate franchise, I think." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember saying that actually, but that that's funny because that did actually, honestly. Like, like when Getia happened, I remember thinking, like, this is, this feels like the logical conclusion of fate. Like, yeah. here we are standing on, like, the edge of eternity, facing a demon who has just blasted us with a beam made of all of human history. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. we, we can't go any further than this. Yeah. Like, this is literally, like, we've literally used all of anything that has ever happened to make this moment happen. <laughs> And I still don't know how they're going to one-up that with Cosmos and the Lost Belt. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens, like the, man. The alternate, the alternate cold timelines is a cool thing, but like, it, when you put it that way, like blasting us with a beam made of all of human history sounds like the culmination of what fate is. Exactly. And it, it felt like, like that's prop. I don't actually remember saying um, like the final boss of the fate franchise, but that probably was what I felt then. I was like, this feels like the logical conclusion of fate. It's like, we literally just got hit with all of history. <laughs> like, that's literally right. what fate has kind of become. It's like, okay, we just have as many characters as we fucking want. Like, hey, it's that dumb sparrow from that one story that, like, three Japanese grandmas read their grandkids. <laughs> like, 
Now it has a sword. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... I I am confident that Cosmos and the Lost Belt will pull together some twist by the end it's that will outdo Time Temple, because everything else about it has been extraordinary so far. Right. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, um, same. Like, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I trust that something nutty is going to happen. Right. Uh, and then after that, I guess we'll just have to see. I mean, we were talking a little bit last episode about how it's clear that they've shifted around a bunch of stuff for the later Lost Belts uh, in terms of their plans of, like, they changed the setting of the fifth Lost Belt for sure. Um, stuff like that. So maybe in the past few months they've figured out something they want to do next and the changing around is a reflection of an ending that's going to lead into something new maybe that's or the maybe hope. not i just had a really dumb thought while you were talking which is that okay. in the final fight the alien god destroys the future and slaps us with the future so that we have to destroy all of history again and zap him with everything that led up to that moment <laughs> um leaving us stranded and alone with mashu in a single point in time that has no direction that would definitely get the the feeling of loss that nasu says he's going for i had this image of just like you and like you know it's it's like a close-up of like you and you and mashu holding hands like in the void of space <laughs> and i, I was feel like, like this is reminding me of something but i can't remember what i know i was like damn that's harsh, but it could happen. Something absolutely. Oh, you know what it's reminding me of? What? What? Gunbuster. Did you ever watch that? Uh, is that the one with the the? Is that the one with Groove and Magic? Or is that Diebuster? Uh, that's Diebuster. Okay, I have not. I think I have not. Yeah. I okay. wanted to watch Diebuster, but I don't actually think Gunbuster is very good at all. But the last episode is excellent. Okay, cool. Everything else what is that? that sucks. I it's um, it's like it's an old Gynax OVA. Uh, I think it. I think it was. Um, oh no! I know. I know. Like what Gunbuster is. I'm talking like what. What is the particular moment you're thinking of? It's in the last episode. Oh, okay. Gunbuster spoilers for everyone going on here. Um, so in in the last episode of Gunbuster, in order to stop the alien invasion, um, they basically detonate a special bomb that rips a hole through time and space, um, and the main character. Uh, and I'm trying to remember now. I think there's one other person who goes with her. Uh, things don't go entirely according to plan. They end up having to like sacrifice themselves, letting them be like sucked through the the time space vortex. Um, and they come out like hundreds of thousands of years in the future, with no idea of what ended up happening at the end of the battle. Oh, and shit. they drift across space back in the direction of Earth. Um, and when they get there, the planet looks completely destroyed. Oh, uh, shit. Like, there, there are no lights, everything is gray and all. And then as they, like, drift into the atmosphere, like, lights light up across the, the surface of the planet that, if I'm remembering correctly, they say, welcome home, or something like that. Oh, I think I've seen that screenshot. Yeah. Cool. That's very cute. It is. It was a it was a very emotional moment, which surprised me because I hated everything else about the show. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> I was gonna say because I know that moment is pretty iconic. I've definitely seen a screenshot of that, but right. 
I could see something like that happening for FGO in the end. Yeah. But yeah, I think we've uh we've exhausted every relevant thing we have to say about this subject. I kind of think we have. I was trying to think of more to say, and I was like, I kind of think we. Like I, I got a little, I got a little emotional on that episode. Honestly, like I got a little heated. Yeah. It's true. You know. Me too. We, as it turns out, we have feelings about this franchise. It's <laughs> Crazy, almost like right? we're doing a podcast about it. <laughs> All right, I think we should wrap it up here. I am Let's... fucking beat because I moved this weekend. Yeah, and so I helped like no random page this time. Two people move. No random page. Um, you know the drill. That the magic circuit on Twitter. The dash magic dash circuit SoundCloud, me at sleepy underscore mimi. Ben nowhere me in my <laughs> in the void of space mountainside, but yeah, in the void of space. Um, I think that's it. There's no future, yeah. everyone. It's over. There's no future, <laughs> except two weeks from now when we put a new episode up. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Is this really how we end? Thanks for episode? listening. It's just bye. Say bye. Say the end of the episode. <laughs> bye. <laughs>